You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. What's up, everybody? I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and a special guest, Eileen Uscream from Fayetteville Rollwood Derby. Thanks for coming and hanging out, Eileen. Glad to be here. Yeah? All right. You've been catching us up, telling us good uh, roller derby stories. Some of them fit for the air, some of them not, but that's cool. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about roller derby, I promise, at some point. But you've been preempted <laughs> I, because there's been a major development. And I want to know, Brandon, what's going on in Cleveland? Oh, you're talking about Kyrie Irving? Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about the Browns. <laughs> Yeah, and the Indians are kind of boring too. Yeah, they're um, much like roller derby. They're they're kind of on a roll there in Cleveland. Oh, you wow! Is, <laughs> let me drink. Let me drink some more Coke Zero Cherry. Jeez. I'll be right back. Is Coke you. sponsoring the show now? I didn't yeah. know. Yep. Trent, Kyrie Irving, he gave an ultimatum. Apparently, this happened two weeks ago. We're just now finding out about it. I'm a little disappointed we didn't get the scoop and know about this. But he's put the Cavaliers on notice. He's got four places he's willing to go. Minnesota, New York, San Antonio, or Miami. And whether or not this is – well, we don't know why. There's there's stories coming out all over the place. So one is that he doesn't want to play with LeBron anymore. The other is that he feels like LeBron is going to leave and doesn't want to be the left man, last man standing – I don't know. What's your feeling, B? I think it's a lot of all of the above. I think that um, he learned from the best in terms of LeBron James leaving a situation for a better situation. And he felt, I think, slighted a little bit. Like, you've mentioned a couple of times, Chris, that you feel like he might be the, you know, either the first or second, not the first, but the second best player in the East. 
and he's hearing all these trade rumors and free agency, and he sees LeBron James maybe going to L.A. or something like that, and he's like, what am I, chop liver? You know, he's a finisher. He can put up 40 about any time he wants to, right? Yeah, he can. And CBS Sports, you're talking about him being the second player in the East. I do believe that. And I believed that before Paul George and Jimmy Butler exited and went out West. I think Kyrie is the second best player in the East. And CBS Sports is reporting that part of the problem that he has with the organization is he's discovered now that he was in discussions when the Cavaliers talked to Indiana and to Chicago about bringing Paul George or Jimmy Butler in. And he feels disrespected. And frankly, he should. I, In a vacuum, I think he's a better player than both those guys, and I don't understand why nobody in Cleveland can figure that out. They're blinded by LeBron's hairline, and they, they can't figure out what they've really got there in Kyrie. So should he really be disrespected? How have we gotten to a point where a pl- this is a business first for a lot of these owners, the players – they always say it's a business. They're branding themselves. Well, it is. So, a what business. makes him so good that he can't be? If you didn't want to be talked about in trade talks, negotiate a no trade clause, and you got no problems. But yeah, everybody's game. Okay, first of all, there's only three players in the NBA that have a no trade clause. Right. That's just not a thing that happens. And Kyrie's not one of them. The second thing is that Kyrie. It doesn't appear that this was him that leaked the story. He sat on it for a couple of weeks. He didn't go all LeBron and and put out there, well, check out the text that we sent to Lakers management. You know, Kyrie's dealt with this like a professional, went to the team. Apparently, the story has come from other players in the organization who have been told by the organization that Kyrie came and put them on notice. Right. So it is a business decision, and he's looking at it in all things considered, whether he's been disrespected, whether he's you know upset that, that they were considering moving him for Georgia for Butler. Now they come back in there, and he's making a business decision because he sees the writing on the wall. Everybody in America feels like LeBron is out after this year. Kyrie doesn't want to be the last man standing and be on a terrible team in Cleveland. Yeah, but it – Maybe he did want to be the last man standing and thought, hey, I'm going to be the face of the franchise, so I'm going to put up with King James for however long he's here. He's leaving. It's going to be my team. Now, all of a sudden, they're trying to shop him. So he feels, well, okay, you're not going to build this team around me. I don't want to have to deal with this. Could be. Could be. I do want to know, though, Eileen, to the best of your knowledge, have Kyrie Irving's representatives been in touch with Fayetteville Rollerball about a possible deal to bring Kyrie to North Carolina? First of all, there are no balls in Derby. So mm. it's not Rollerball. <laughs> okay. Absolutely none. But uh, wow. to my knowledge, no. What did you do some pre-show research there? If they would like to build a team around Kyrie in Fayetteville, they're pretty much looking at a bunch of girls in hot pants. Um, so, I mean, he'll definitely shine. More Sounds like the Cavs. Bunch of girls in oh, hot pants. Oh, Sick oh. burn. <laughs> but to the best of your knowledge, just to make sure, Kyrie's not been in any conversations with Fayetteville. I have Herbie. not. Nope. Mm-mm. 
All right. Are we still friends now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just yeah. want to make sure. It's all about education, you know? I can dig that. It's for the kids. <laughs> Sounds like he, his name would be Cry E. Irving because oh. he's doing a lot of crying. Poor See, little Kyrie. Well, well, look I at you guys on saying. point with your dirty That's name a, game. I, I wasn't until like you all didn't hear, and then I was like, I got to step my game up. Yeah, know, there you right? go. So here's the thing. I don't think Kyrie's been – I don't think he could be accused of crying. He went to management, and you said it yourself. The players run the NBA. Unlike any other of the major sports in America, they run management. They're in charge. And, you know, if it wasn't Kevin Durant that let all of us know that, now it's LeBron showing, oh, you think Durant runs things? Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to take fill in the blank. Paul George, DeMarcus Cousin, maybe all of the above to L.A. with me, and we're just going to go win a championship. Well, I hope that works out for you, LeBron. But Kyrie Irving, in the meantime, is obviously being undervalued by Cleveland, and now there's some interesting talks going on. Now, he went to, the, he went to Cleveland management and said, deal me to one of these four teams. Well, you got to be careful when you don't have leverage. All right, Kyrie is a valuable piece, but he does not have a no-trade clause, and he's got two years left on that deal, making about $20 million a year. It makes him a heck of an attractive player. And the rumors that are coming around with the reasonable deals that have come to Cleveland for Kyrie don't have anything to do with the four teams that he has to go to. So you've backed Cleveland management into a, into a corner, and he might not love the result. But Brandon, last night a report percolated to the surface, Sacramento is making a play for Kyrie Irving. And in the package that they're offering, they're willing to send De'Aaron Fox to Cleveland. Well, I know how high you are on Fox, mm -hmm. which and De'Aaron Fox, you could really do something with a roller derby name for that guy. Mm -hmm. And his hair, too. You want to give Dude, it a shot? He's a superstar. He could take roller derby to a whole new level. De'Aaron Fox, you want to give it a shot? I don't know. De'Aaron Penalty Fox? I don't know. Nice. Okay. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. I'm not oh, I'm sorry. spitballer. You'll be on the spot for the next hour and 55 <laughs> minutes, so get, get accustomed right. to it. Fantastic. Settle in, settle in, have a snack. It's just radio. Nobody's listening. Um, <laughs> don't you have a feeling, though, that Dan Gilbert's – I want to talk about that, discuss that trade. Go ahead. Is Dan Gilbert not going to royally just screw this up? I mean, he's going to, right? Of course he is. Well, he already did. If Kyrie's asking to get out, dude, it's just a dumpster fire. Well, you know what? LeBron leveraged him, and instead of signing a long-term deal, which would have been the expectation anywhere, LeBron has done these little short-term deals and basically has kept Cleveland over a barrel. Well, if you guys do something that makes me unhappy – I'm going to roll someplace else. I'm going to take my ball and go someplace else. What irritates me about the whole LeBron situation is he's obviously making it known to anybody that's paying attention that he wants out of Cleveland. But this then, is the Cleveland team that you built, LeBron. You wanted everybody to believe you were the general manager, but now Golden State has done it better than you, and you want out. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I mean, there's not a thing wrong with that. I mean, he's the still the best player on earth. He wants the rings. I mean, imagine if you were him and done 
everything better than Michael Jordan except for the three rings. Oh my God. Everything well, better. Have a I'm, I'm just saying he has done everything better than Michael Jordan except for the, having the three the three rings, and he hears about it all the time. So How many rings? He, he, having the six rings. Let's make sure we get that number straight. No, he's short. Real quick, Eileen, before he continues on. No, this, he's hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's short three rings of yeah. the six, and it's not going to get him. You do recognize that at this point. He's right? probably not going to get him, but I mean, I don't. I understand why he's trying though. Eileen, who's the better ball player, LeBron or Michael Jordan? I mean, you can't take something out of the context. Like, who's the better player, Michael Jordan or LeBron? I'll say LeBron has a better wingspan. Physically, nice. LeBron has more weapons. Uh, but Michael, wow, Jordan, we actually have somebody in here that knows some basketball. Michael Jordan, I. I did love, I mean, there's always the flu thing, you know, like, oh, right. he can play through anything. And he's also one of the best garbage talkers ever. I heard he was really nasty with his golden image and everything on screen, but actually the players were just offended. Um, but I think what LeBron, what you're proposing that LeBron's going to do, it kind of threatens the integrity of sports in general. Like you said, it's a business. I'm a businessman as a player and everything. But like, as far as team sports and team loyalty, I'm an old fashioned girl. Like I, I'm really like loyal. And when they skip around, kind of like Terrell Owens did, he deserved everything he got. Mm. He was such a just little shyster. I don't know. I love it. Astute analysis. Trent, I forgot you were here. What do you have to say, man? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not much. Apparently. I don't. Yeah, he I know. said he built the team, and now he's like, "Peace, I'm out." What if they built some super team, went to LA, and won a championship? Would anybody really care? So it's, they're doing it for themselves, not the fans. What What if your team in Fayetteville started to struggle, and you weren't getting the rings that you felt like you needed to get, and then you heard that Princess Leia Flat was available? <laughs> <laughs> and, I told you and, the Star Wars references And trauma queen Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back You grew up knowing you could do anything As a soldier in the U.S. Army You'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things You never thought possible With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields Up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus You'll earn a steady paycheck Get money for college And gain valuable experience While you learn how to be a valued team leader to find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. 
Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back, everybody. We're uh, hanging out in studio today with Eileen Uscreen from Fayetteville Roller Derby. And tell, I'm going to give you five minutes. Tell me everything I need to know about roller derby. You've already let me know there's no ball involved. Nope. All no right. balls. It'd be a whole lot better if it was, wouldn't it? Mm-mm. Mm. Well, you did reference Rollerball, which is a great movie from the 70s starring James Caan, um, which I have watched several times. Uh, there are no motorcycles, though, although that would be pretty interesting. Hmm? Um, so usually what I tell people first off is that it looks like a cross between NASCAR and hockey. Um, the object is to score more points than the other team. The way you score points is um, each team is equipped with four blockers. Um, sort of like, you know, how football offense and defense go towards each other. Offense and defense in roller derby go the same direction. So there's a lot of lateral hits, checks, much like hockey. Um, and the jammer is the one that scores the points. She wears a star on her helmet, and the, the movements are similar to that of like a NFL running back. You know, you're juking, you're spinning, you're powering through, um, and every jammer has their different tricks. You got the real shifty ones that jump around, twinkle toes. Then you've got the drivers that put a shoulder down and just move people. And then um, you've got your all-around players um, that kind of can do a little bit of everything. Um, and that person tries to get through the pack, which is all of those blockers scrum together. They have to stay within 10 feet of each other. Sort of like in soccer, if there's offsides, you can't just be all willy-nilly going out, doing whatever you want. You gotta stay with the pack where the action is to be in play, to actually make contact with another player. And uh, every time the jammer gets past an opposing blocker, that's one point. And she can go around as many times as she wants. The one that gets out first from the start of the whistle, like it's sort of like a rugby scrum. They all start together, they're all jammed up together trying to jockey for position to better their jammer and block the other jammer. And then the first jammer that pops out of that pack gets through everybody is the lead jammer. They blow a whistle, they point at you, and you have the power to call off the jam, which is like a football down, you know, like whistle dead for whatever reason. Um, but in roller derby, it keeps going until she says it stops. Penalties, injuries, all that stuff can happen, but it doesn't stop until she calls it off or two minutes hits. So you can go for a solid two minute down all the way around and score as many points as possible. Interesting. Yeah. So what position do you play? Uh, currently, I'm jamming. All right. Um, I've been playing the sport for almost 10 years now. I started in Philadelphia, and uh, I started – they wanted me to jam right off the bat. Um, I was That's when there. I show up. People are like, hey, Chris, hey, hey, Chris you want to jam? <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you yeah, never know when you're going to have to jam. But And so you said that – you know, the jammers are the ones they get to decide when play stops. They're the ones that score the points. So a lot of divas, it's jammers, right? It's interesting because recently a lot of people are just like, the coach will have that star, it's called a helmet cover, um, and he'll try and make eye contact with somebody and everyone's just like looking off to the side, like, I don't want to do it. But um, the second you lock eyes, he's like, you, you're doing it. And... Um, 
And it's not just all up to you. Recently, the plays evolved to the point where the jammer's not all by themselves. Um, the blockers are being very offensive these days. Um, you know, we're generally offensive, but um, <laughs> actively playing offense. <laughs> so in, in Fayetteville, where do you guys play? We play at the Crown Coliseum. Okay. Yeah, in the arena. We're not in the, you know, fire ants realm yet, but we're, cool. we're looking to get there. And, it, and it's played on a flat track like a like it would at a roller rink, right? Yes. Um, it, back in the day, everyone usually associates roller derby with that bank track. Right. Um, that big oval. And um, it kind of died out in the 80s, and the resurgence really happened in the early 2000s um, in Austin. Um, because, you know, that's where it all came from originally. Um, but... It's a really expensive thing to have, and you have to have your own space, your own warehouse. Right. It's a lot of money and maintenance. So flat track kind of came from the fact that you can play anywhere. You can just lay down the um, boundaries, and you got a game. So, so, at what age were you when you were at the skate rink and you're just doing your thing, and you're like, "This is great, but I'd really like to knock her down right now." <laughs> I I grew up as a rink rat. My parents were like. That was like free babysitting. Well, so, I was like six bucks to get in. But if you a rink rat. I love that terminology. I bet you are the best foosball player in this building right now. Is that a fair statement? Not so much foosball. I was really into the arcade games. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, my jam. You got to nice. be Donatello. The, the bow staff has the most range, you know? I, I dig it. She's cool. Brandon, you guys want to swap seats? Did she come over here? Yeah, she's a lot better than me. <laughs> But so at where you're at, I guess the most important question is alcohol. Is it allowed? Oh, yeah. Okay. We have, um, we'll have like Dirt Bag or a local brewery come out and have a stand. And then there's uh, the Crown concessions. So, you know, your Bud Light, your Miller Light, whatever. Yeah, my only experience with roller derby is Lexington, Kentucky, and they played, like you were talking about, on a flat track. They actually used the old skating rink, and there wasn't a heck of a lot going on over there. Um, but it was cool. The coolest part was it was a good excuse to go have a couple of drinks. I still have no idea with the whole scoring thing and passing people and the rest of it. But when people cheered, we all drank, and then everybody was happy. It was so, yeah. it was like, when you look up at the stands and some guy like Chris walks in with a wine cooler, I mean, does that throw the whole thing some off? and James. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, it takes all kinds. Now, um, if if Bartles and James was served at Fayetteville Roller Derby, I'd I'd be I'd be a season ticket holder. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can I get the kiwi strawberry please? Thanks. So you said that the jammer's kind of like the the running back. So if you had to compare yourself your style of jamming mm -hmm. to a NFL running back, what is that? Are you a Barry Sanders or are you a Terrell Davis? I'd like to be Brian Westbrook, but... Oh, that's Philly. I like that. Okay. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Philly in the house. I'm a Philly girl for sure. Okay. Um, Not Ricky Waters, huh? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, currently, hmm, I'll give myself Westbrook. I'll give it to me. But nice. sometimes I'm more of a deuce daily. I just like lay on people, <laughs> just push through with my head. You know, want to get gassed. How daily. how long does the game take? If I decided I want to go get tickets, go down to Crown. First of all, what's how much does it cost to get in? 
in advance, uh, and we sell them through, I should know this, but I don't. Um, 10 bucks in advance, $12 at the door. All right. Kids under eight are free. And we get VIP, right? Sure, we can put you in the... the um, Cheap seats? The cheap seats. <laughs> you can sit on the We're floor. Actually, here's what I want. This is what I want. I want a cheap seats box in the middle, like in NASCAR. That's where the ballers are at. It's down on the infield. Yeah. I want to be on the infield. Can we make that happen? I don't think the refs would like that very much. And you can't mess with the refs. If you sass them, mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Not a good idea. But uh, we can arrange a couch for you guys. What? <laughs> Wait, hold on. We're trying to bring that back. The super uh, VIP section with a couch, some end tables, yes. you know, I'm some not, throw pillows maybe. Yes. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sitting with anybody drinking a Zima over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do they still make Zima? Oh yeah, it's back. No, it's back. <laughs> I bought it. Zima actually I'm they only distribute to me. They ship it direct. They still make it. <laughs> I, I don't. This is probably a horrible question, but have you ever gotten a dole out as a jammer? Dole out any punishment on the other jammer? Oh, of course. Jammer on jammer. That's the only time that you can um, actively connect with another player, like away from the pack. Jammers can mess with each other all day long, and a very popular thing to do is uh, right at the start. The two jammers start behind the jammer line, and the pack is above that line, sort of like the line of scrimmage. And as soon as they blow that whistle and the jam starts, you can just check her out of bounds and like drag her all the way back around the track. Because once you're checked out of bounds, you can't come back in until, unless you come in behind the player that checked you out. Mm -hmm. So like, imagine if like, you know, hockey, when they check them over the boards, there's no board, you go flying into the fans. So uh, the cheap seats are the floor seats where you can possibly end up with somebody in your lap at some point. Hmm. Wow. Um, that sounds pretty interesting. A lot better than being on the couch with this guy. up in my lap. I think I've been to this club. So, <laughs> so, like, Chris is the other jammer. Okay. You guys are, you know, you're all loose, loosened up, ready to go. Give us an example of what kind of trash talk you'd be giving Chris as a jammer. A lot of girls actually just get really, really close to you and like breathe on your neck. Wow. And just <sighs> now I know I've been in this club. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the worst injury you've ever had? I ripped my groin. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I like had a strain. I kept taping it, taping it, and like just skating on it, like just ignoring it and then um one of my good friends from philly uh her derby name is heavy flow yes derby number five two seven um she hit me so hard i flopped on my back and just went arms and legs all akimbo and that's what finally ripped it and my entire leg swelled up twice its size turned purple it looked like i'd been bit by a zombie like it was just decomposed looking and I was off skates for like six months after that it was bad limping around work just like <laughs> that would suck a, a decomposed looking groin <laughs> that would be a bad day right sorry there sorry for the visual guys <laughs> so we've got about a minute left here in in 2017 there's a lot of fear of concussion and everything else and whether it's kids sports the NFL whatever well we'll finish on the other side 
You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WDCC 90.5 FM and around the world on the WBLZ Sports Network. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. If you're listening to the show on WDCC, welcome to the second half. If you're hearing us on WBLZ or you're looking at the podcast on SoundCloud, we got plenty of, plenty of, plenty of show still left to come. We're hanging out today with Eileen Uscream from Fayetteville Roller Derby. I think I called her rollerball earlier and she about came across the table on me. My apologies. 
accepted. I just want to know, what's the concussion protocol? Um, you have to see a medic. Do every, really? Oh, yeah. Every It's absolutely necessary to have a medic at practice all times, at all times. Um, we're lucky enough to have um, a medic. Uh, he's XSF, and uh, he comes to every single practice, and you have to check in with him. He gives you the test. Remember these three words, like red, horse, barn, and comes back in 20 minutes. You're not allowed to play for 20 minutes, and you have to repeat those words, and they do a full-on concussion. I couldn't play. I've already forgotten the words. <laughs> Red horse barn. <laughs> you ready to get back in there? You're ready. I'm ready to jam. <laughs> so you said that the worst injury you ever had was a zombie decomposing groin. Um, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Compound fractures? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Like... Right. <laughs> leg, like, broken in oh, half. Geez. The shin, just oh. foot dangling. Ooh. Yeah. Ed McCaffrey. That. Oh, mm -hmm. Ed McCaffrey. So, Fayetteville, North Carolina, I, you know, until recently, I didn't know we were home to one of the best roller derby teams in the country. How many, like, legit top shelf teams in the country are there that compete with other cities? Um, it's there's divisions. There's right. division one, division two, and division three. Um, division one is composed of the top twenty in the world. Um, so it's not just the United States. London's up there. Um, I'm trying to think of oh, Victorian is actually the number one roller derby in league in the world. They're from Australia. I bet. Well, you know what? Australians do everything cool. Yeah. Well, they also have a lot of uh, transfer players, just like any other sport. Players transfer. Um, there's a lot of poaching that I've noticed. Um, if you see a player that's shining on their team, I've seen, especially Gotham, um, not to talk too much smack, but I'm a Philly girl, so I always talk smack on New York City. Um, they've definitely acquired jobs for people in order to have them move from, say, Texas or Florida. Um, and a lot of people, like, if, if you find yourself, much like LeBron, a big fish in a little pond, you want to go somewhere where you can get that ring. And that happens a lot. Well, I'm just saying, and I'm just saying, Kyrie Irving is originally from Australia. Really? Melbourne. Victorian roller derby? Uh. Maybe. <laughs> it's funny. One time uh, I was in Vegas and some, some buddies of mine ran into some Australians. And one of my idiot buddies are like, do you guys really smash foster cans on your forehead? <laughs> he goes, no, we don't even drink that, mate. We ship it to you Yanks. We drink good stuff. Anyway, that, that's my Australian story. But, yeah, maybe Kyrie makes the jump to what's the Australian team's? Victorian roller derby. Ah. Oh, I, mm. I could dig it. So who is the the historic powerhouse in roller derby? And what's the name of, is there a championship? Yes. Okay. And, and how's that work? Um, it used to be by region where like all the, like in regionals, they're like the semifinals and all the teams from the Northeast would play each other. The teams from the South would play each other. The Midwest would play each other, and then Westerns. But they've switched it up, um, sort of like, it's sort of like a random um, 
selection process. Uh, so they do have regionals in different cities. There are four separate regionals, and then the top three from each region go into championships, and it's bracketed. And where is the, is the championship hosted someplace all the time, or do they rotate it around? They rotate it. There's bids put in to where it's going to be, and it makes a lot of money for the league that hosts it. Um, but it takes a lot of organization. They have to start planning basically right after the last championship ends. And does it have a cool name like Super Bowl? No, it's just champs. Champs. That's cool. That works. You see all the jerseys hanging up on, on the wall in the – Studio, is there a player's jersey that if you could have it, like from the maybe a throwback player? Yes. Who would it be and why? Stephanie Maney. Uh, she's from London. Um, she's one of the most powerful jammers that I've ever seen. Um, four people can be on their toe stops pushing against her and she can drive them all the way around the track. She just gets down, like I like the jammers that drive that just like put their shoulder in and move people. And she's one of those people. She's also really funny. Nice. So you, you've played against her? I have not gotten a chance to. Um, London is one team that I've never gotten to play that I always wanted to. Because um, the way f when I played for Philly, we were all in the Northeast. So it always came down to um, Philly and Gotham. And Gotham always beat us. So you've played at the World Championship. I have, yes. All right, that's pretty cool. What does what What's the time span of the season? You guys play twelve months a year. You play from September to May. How's it work? Uh, usually, like December and January are the off periods. Um, we still have practices, but it's just like you know skills, conditioning, nothing really strategic. And then it really kicks in in February, and spring is the start of the season. Uh, and semifinals start in September and go through October, and then champs are in November, usually the first week in November, and then there's hiatus after that. Okay, and when, when Fayetteville plays another city, yeah, how often does that happen? You're required to have three sanctioned games per season to maintain your ranking. Um, there's also tournaments. So we play other teams at least, hopefully, like six or seven times. But if you go to a tournament, you're guaranteed three games. Um, and the tournaments happen usually over a three-day weekend, and it's bracketed as well by ranking. So you, they match teams based on their ranking. They start there, and whoever wins moves on. They play the winner of the other game, and then by the end of the weekend, you're playing for first, second, and third place. Okay, and the Fayetteville squad that plays against everybody else is who? What's the name? Rogue. Okay, and Rogue, what's Rogue's record right now? We've had a rough season. Oh. Last season uh, was our first season that we were actually legit ranked, um, and we went into a tournament in Savannah, completely unknown, and beasted it. We swept the entire thing. And people were like, where did they even come from? But it being a military town, we had a huge turnover, and it was a completely different team. Oh. So we've been rebuilding. We had a rough start. But um, we just played last weekend in Wilmington against a team that was ranked hundreds of spots above us. And we were tied most of the game. They were completely astonished. So we've just we've got new coaching staff, and they brought in a whole new way of thinking, and we've completely transformed as a team. So I think next year we could be ranked 
hopefully uh, ready to go to regionals. All right, and this season, who's up next for you? Oh, Greensboro. Greensboro. August 12th. And that's at the Crown Coliseum in Fayetteville, or is it in Greensboro? It's in Greensboro. Okay. The last time I played Greensboro, their crowd was so vicious. I had children cussing at me, like nice. while I was on the floor, just like begging for my life. And I've got somebody's daughter saying, like, killer mommy. And I'm like, oh my God. I love that she's from Philly and complaining <laughs> about fans in North Carolina. Yeah. That's geez. awesome. All right, whatever. Good for you, Greensboro. <laughs> Dallas fans are worse. Come on. They've never booed Santa Claus before. <laughs> we, we have a specific style. You know. Hey, mommy, give him a decomposed groin. <laughs> In Greensboro? I didn't know them from their trash talk. <laughs> But it's going to be a tough game, but I think we can beat them. So I, August 12th, then we're in Greensboro. What what location were we playing at? I have no idea. It's, All right, we'll have to look that up. It's a convention center, you know, something like that. Great. Sorry, guys. Trent, you got you the worst. Now. We yeah. got to figure out. I'm in. So if somebody wants to come see you guys out, come come banging people in the face and knocking people out, where can they find information about FayettevilleRollerDerby.com? FayettevilleRollerDerby.com. You can like Check us on out. Facebook, too. All right, so you're here. We got a couple minutes left in this segment, and anybody that comes in station, we have got to we we have to come up with a title. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our our um, Miss from the Cheap Seats pageant title holder. We have a commissioner for our dodgeball league. What's her What's her title going to be? Be I mean, it's got to do something with roller derby, right? Yeah. I mean. Let's see. We'll work on She's that. the jammer. She That's what she is. She's, She's our the jammer. jammer. All right. So the from the cheat seats jammer. Now, I have an invitation that I need to extend not only to you, but to all of the ladies. And, and is this a – Is I was going to say something. Are there any men involved in roller derby? Yes. There's a men's roller derby league. And also um, – there's a gender policy in Women's Flat Track Derby Association, which allows um, people who may not have been born with female oh, yeah. that identify as a woman, then you are welcome to play with Women's Flat Track Roller Derby. That could okay. cause some interesting situations. Awesome. I think. I but think good you, for you guys for being so progressive. Do you think <laughs> Do you think they could put together – wouldn't it be great if these guys put together a dodgeball team for the tournament? That's where I was going oh, with I'm this. Oh, I'm sorry. I would so, be so down for that. All right, October 14th. Okay. This will be our second iteration. The first one was such a big hit, we decided to go ahead and do another one this year. October 14th, about two blocks from here in downtown Sanford, we'll be playing dodgeball to raise money for Alzheimer's awareness. Uh, we had, I don't know, 17 teams first time out. We're trying to grow this thing and have 40, 50 teams. But, yeah, you guys need to put in a whole host of teams. Come on up. It's a great time. That Stein that I wouldn't allow you to touch earlier. I want that. That is the championship trophy that Brandon and I walked away with in, uh, really? in the first time out. Spoiler yeah, alert. October 14th, <laughs> and everybody else is, is invited. Dave Kaplan might be there, too. But um, – yeah. Spoiler alert, there are balls in dodgeball, though. It's Chris. so foreign to us. I don't know what we'll do. But we could do we could do a special event in the middle of it on skates. Dodgeball on skates? That would be kind of cool. Trent. Sounds amazing. If, if Ice Cube can stand up a three-on-three league, 
we can stand up a roller skate dodgeball. So if you want to check out Rogue in action, the Greensboro Coliseum Complex, it is $8 in advance and $10 at the door. I like that. You can't guarantee us a couch there, though. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Eileen Scream, And now we're joined in studio by the illustrious, inimitable David Kaplan. Um, excuse me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. <laughs> He's pretty dapper. Yeah, yeah. Dapper Diamond Dave. Hey. Oh. He's got oh. a derby name now. Yeah. Oh. Dapper Diamond Dave. In the derby. I like it. Yeah. Well, exactly. when Dave shows up, there's no doubt what's coming right behind him. Big, big, big golf weekend. And I'm going to tell you what. The final round of the British Open is what the PGA needs more of right now, mm-hmm. in my estimation. Absolutely. That was compelling. It was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, did you did you take a, a couple hours off of training for this big match with Greensboro and watch the uh, last round of the British Open? Sadly, I missed it. Mm. I think I was watching something stupid on Netflix instead. Sorry. Mm. Mm. You know what I love about the British Open? What's that? I can get up at about 4 a.m. and golf's on. It's just mm. awesome. I mean, I, I literally, my wife goes to work at 5 a.m., uh, most when she works most mornings and she's like what are you doing up i was like watching the british open of course i see it in an opposite light because when i got up about 11 it was already you know two-thirds of the way over but right so you're saying the british opens kind of like the skinamax of golf <laughs> Is that i don't what? think that's what he was saying <laughs> Not exactly, but but anyway, well, he, it's exciting good. to watch golf in the morning. I will say this: usually, I'm catching up on the uh, cheap seats from the week before mm. exercising. I'm sorry, I had the British Open on this week, mm, yeah. so on the elliptical. You didn't miss much. Don't worry about it. <laughs> 
I bet I missed a ton. So Jordan Spieth with his third major. Unreal. Well, it is. And this, now, when he won the last tournament, last go-round, the, the news was, well, now he and Tiger are the only golfers to win 12 tournaments before. Ten. Ten, ten tournaments uh, before the age of 24. 24. Right. Now, Jordan Spieth turns 24 this coming Thursday, for right. anybody that doesn't know. But now the news on this one is that now Jordan is the only golfer to have won three majors before his 24th birthday. Do I have that right? No. Oh. Uh, Jack Nicholas. Did he? Actually was a little younger than Jordan when he picked up his third major. And the cool thing about it is they did the same majors. So uh, they have won, or he's won three quarters of the Grand Slam. So, so that, he's still lacking the PGA, is that correct? Still lacking the PGA. I he'll, got one right. He'll have that attempt here in a couple of weeks in Charlotte. But uh, it's it's really elite company. He's the fourth individual younger than 24 to win the British Open since 1900. So the company there is Bobby Jones, who arguably could be the best golfer ever, never turned pro. Uh, was an amateur and won the original Grand Slam, which was the British Am, British Open, the Open, and the U.S. Am and the U.S. Open. You'll never see that done again, um, not even attempted, probably. How, how, how uh, presumptuous is it, Brandon, that the Brits just call it the Open? It's the original. It's one how's, of the how's oldest. How's that go? Well, it, it's, I think, behind the uh, – was it the America Cup from the sailing? It's the oldest organized modern day sporting event. America's Cup is right. America's Cup and older then, than the British Open, and and then the Open, the British Open, right? <laughs> the Brit- <laughs> See, the we're British Americans. Open. We can get away with it. We can call our baseball champion the World Series. Yep. Right. You know. We can call it the Masters. Their food's horrible. Let them have it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Let them have it. Beer's okay, but the, yeah, food, yeah. the food's off. But it's awful. warm. What? Well, no, beer? no. That, that's a bit of a misnomer. It is. I, they've got really? cold beer, too. Yeah, they don't drink it oh, ice cold God. like that. Now, they don't, they're not rolling around with Yetis, you know, and, and keeping it 33 degrees all the time. But, uh, but it, it, it's cold. There's cold beer there. So I'll say okay. this about Jordan Spieth, and and I like. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish this real quick. So the other three shut up, golfers, Chris. No, no. So I got stuck on Bobby Jones, Gary Player, Seve Ballesteros, and Jordan Spieth. I mean, it's you. You start talking about things that Jordan Spieth have done, and he's in company of of Hall of Fame great best players ever. I get company. that. I get that, and golf needs that. Right. I mean, in this post-Tiger Woods world we live in, somebody had to capture our imagination. I'm going to say this, though. I'm just to be devil's advocate. I watched Jordan Spieth, and Jordan Spieth does a lot of things well on a golf course. The biggest, I think, is his ability to focus in big moments. Mm-hmm. And we saw that this weekend. But at the same time, while I say that, Jordan Spieth – isn't dominating tournaments Mm-mm. the way that we've seen the best golfer in the world at whatever point in time. He just finds a way to get it done. 
Right. And I don't know if that I don't know what that leads me to believe. I don't know if when he turns it on and kind of hits that groove and is not doing things like he did on number 13 this weekend, if that means he's going to be one more rung better than everybody else or if eventually him and I'm this is the wrong phrasing but kind of getting lucky and I don't know if yeah. he can keep it going. Where do you stand with that? And and do you know what I'm talking about? Aaron? I know exactly. Well, you, you look at Jack, you look at Tiger, and they overpowered golf courses. Yes. I mean, they, they got to the first tee, and most guys were playing a par 72. They were playing a par 67 or 68 or something. Jordan's not that player. He's not the player you're going to sit at behind the range and just watch him hit gut balls because he's going to be like, what that guy? You know, I mean, well, the guy that I like to sit at the range and watch hit golf balls is Brandon Atkins. Yeah, for a different reason. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. entirely different reason. But you might watch him on the putting green because the difference between Jordan Spieth at the U.S. Open and at the British Open is he made putts, and the difference between the front nine on Sunday. And the back nine on Sunday is he made a ton of putts on the back nine. And maybe nerves were showing. Maybe he was just a little agitated or off. But he missed a lot of putts he should have made on that front nine. Well, that's okay because on the back he made a lot that he shouldn't have. It evened out. It evened out. There's no doubt about it. Dumb D. He went – when he was interviewed, he said when he lost his lead it calmed his nerves. You know how I think, is that something that you can look forward to seeing him kind of like a race horse that you kind of need to hold back right. a little bit and then he goes eye to eye with another horse and you let him loose? Is that kind of the mentality? Yeah. He he was probably playing tighter with the lead, and I think the whole debacle on thirteen changed his mindset for the day. He hit that golf ball and it was like he was on number 12 at Augusta again. It was like he was going to have a meltdown. But then he found it, and he started thinking in his head, man, I just got lucky. I've got an opportunity. I can still make bogey. Well, I guarantee you is what he's thinking. I'm going to make bogey. And if he made bogey, if he made double bogey, he probably lost the tournament. But he made bogey, and he's like, now it's on. You know, I'm, I'm going to – Pipe it. I'm going to hit a hole in one on the next hole. Well, he was very gracious in his acceptance speech and and noted that Matt Kutcher waited patiently. Right. I think it had an impact on Kutcher's performance the rest of the way. That's an awful long time to stand and get tight, but also to have to think about the moment. Kutcher had never won a major. You know, it was cold. It was wet. That – Change things, and I'm not blaming Jordan Spieth for for no. doing whatever. It yeah. just took too long. It took forever, and unfortunately, you know. Well, the other thing is, in the majority of golf courses around the world, he's hitting back from the tee. They're not going to find that ball. He's not going to be able to go another 80 yards right to get a line of sight, and so you know, it's just very fortunate. But Kuchar's a class act. I mean, he he took it in stride. You can speak from your own personal experience because you've waited on Chris to find his ball for at least 30 minutes a couple of times, right? I didn't know what he was doing in the woods. I I guess he was looking for a golf ball. Nope, this is not it. You (laughs) can just see balls getting tossed out of the woods. Hey, what was I playing again? Oh, yeah, I think this one's it. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah. 
But it had to have had effect, though. I, I'm sure it did, but he played great. I mean, Kuchar shot one under in difficult yeah. positions. I mean, difficult conditions. I, I mean, I think I think Matt Kuchar played great. Uh, he just ran into a four-hole stretch that nobody could have overcome. It was it was an amazing stretch of golf. Yeah, and like I said, I think golf needs more of this. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, though, and it points, and I, I look back at the NBA, and, and folks have sat in that seat, and Brandon has said it a million times, the NBA needs parity. It needs parity. It needs right. parity. No, Americans like greatness. And they we do. like to look at Jordan Spieth and look at it and say, you know what, Jordan Spieth has a chance to be the greatest of all time. We need to temper that, though, with Jordan Spieth. One, from my perspective, my eyes tell me he's not – He's not blowing things up the way Tiger did. So he may get there. He's only 24. But we talk about the fact that, you know, only the second guy to win three majors by 24. You put him in in line with Bobby Jones, Seve Ballesteros, things like that. But at the same time, let's not lose sight of he's got fewer major victories than Roy McIlroy. Right. You know, he's got fewer than guys like Ernie Els, who were great pros – but we're never, oh, my God, look at this oh, he's, guy. He's still got so a ways to go. Jack Nicholas had a great quote uh, that he released about Jordan's third major victory. And so what was the quote? Basically, he said, hey, yeah, I was a little younger. Why don't we pick it up after the break? You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. 
I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, welcome back for the second hour. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Dave, my bad, Diamond Dave Kaplan. Dapper. Dapper Diamond Dave. This is getting a little carried away. (laughs) It's getting, getting just a little carried away. And Eileen, you scream from Fayetteville Rollerball. You're hanging out for the second hour. You're listening to us on the WBLZ Sports Network, or you followed us up from over from radio onto SoundCloud. Uh, check us out at From the Cheap Seats. Everything we have ever done in our entire lives is captured on SoundCloud. So From the Cheap Seats on SoundCloud, check it out. Download the WBLZ app and listen to us. I don't know. All the time, ever all the time, I'm getting notices. Hey, they're running the show again. That's check really us cool. out on Twitter too, dude. <laughs> so that's our big news and of the week. Facts, Brandon Atkins. No, he's on Twitter now. Oh, he did it. He pulled the trigger. I'm sitting. Oh. I forget what I was watching on TV, but I was ducking work that my wife was trying to throw at me, and out of nowhere, I get a notice. Carolina Blue five four two has followed you on Twitter. Check this out. Do you know what the 542 is about? No. It's the Carolina Blue. This is what you get for dating a designer and mar- marketing genius. It's the Pantone, the actual oh, Pantone for the Carolina 542. Blue. That's nice. out of control. You like it. So if you're listening out there, you can follow the show at From the Cheap Seats, at Cheap Seat Radio. Follow me, Chris underscore DeLambert, Trey Nichols, and now... Carolina Blue 542. I love it. Dave, you on to, Twitter much? I need to start an account. Diamond yeah, Dave. You guys, by the time you get into Twitter and get rolling, it will have moved on to something else. Eileen, you you a Twitter girl? I am not. No. No. Nope. Looks wow. like you're in the minority, buddy. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much stuff flying around. I just can't. I love it. It's like crack. I can't stay off Twitter. Trey's the same way. Trent's the same way. I'm calling him Trey because that's his Twitter handle. I'm confused now. (laughs) But, yeah, always cool content coming. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook. Again, Cheap Seat Radio. From the Cheap Seats, we'd appreciate the follow. Give us love. And I'm trying to figure out how we can become the official radio show of Fayetteville Roller Derby. Oh, you got uh, Derby this time. You called out as Rollerball again. So that's a good start, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Our friendship's being challenged right now, Eileen. 
I was just about to follow you on Facebook. <sighs> Done. No. Red, red horse, <laughs> red horse barn. <laughs> wow! All right, cool. Look, look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> and now you just called him by the wrong name, so we're square. It's Brandon. Well, I know his name's not Brad. No, it's that's the, the quote. Saying. That's yeah. the quote. Yeah. Come on, man. It's um, what's the what's the movie? It's Samuel man. Jackson. Yes. Look at the big brains on Brad. Pulp Fiction. That's right. Pulp oh. Fiction. Yep. You guys are Get with it, man. You're on Twitter. You're supposed to know these things. Right? Somebody facts. Was I the only one in the building knowledge. that didn't know that? You know who else is on Twitter? Jack Nicholas. And what Jack have to say about Jordan's And so is Tiger Woods. Like and it. both of them were very complimentary and excited about the back nine that Spieth pulled off on Sunday. But basically, Jack said, yeah, I might have been slightly younger getting to uh, three majors than Jordan is. However, he has 10 worldwide victories, now 11, uh, versus my eight, and he wins in a more exciting fashion. Hmm. And his the, the level of golf and maturity that he shows is unbelievable. And so that's classy comments when from, do you think from a when Spieth gets champion. around 13 14 majors he'll start talking about the how better how much better the equipment is again like when Tiger yeah. was up there I think it's a different animal man Tiger Tiger one of the things that that made him such a polarizing figure was that arrogance right I mean that he carried with him Jordan Spieth just kind of a nice guy yeah. guy you'd want to go I, play I, around I, with now sadly and I do have to say this. My wife was watching the acceptance. She's like, how old is that guy? And I said, 24. She's like, oh, that hairline. <laughs> well, it Tiger doesn't stand a, a chance. He needs to quit wearing a hat so often, man. It's really wearing it out. But, yeah. Be all right. you know, he's okay. got enough it's money. Okay. And I think yeah. that's actually what she said to me was, yeah, but he's really, really rich. Yeah. In fact, $44 million now by the age of 24. And to put that in context, Tiger, even inflation-adjusted, had only made about seventeen million by this mm. age, so the fact that Jordan Spieth has made all that money really is a product of what Tiger did. Exactly. For the sport. So yeah, he can thank Tiger for a lot of that. Now the British Open was going on; it was compelling golf, but there was another compelling PGA event going on simultaneously. Well, I think for the, the other guys, the official golfer of from the cheap seats. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Grayson Murray yeah. pulled him home a victory this weekend, and uh, it is an off-major official PGA event. Let me make sure I understand what that means. Since it's an off-major, that means it doesn't qualify him for the Masters. It does not, but it does qualify him for the PGA Championship okay. in a couple weeks in Quell Hollow. So he will be playing in a major uh, in his home state in Charlotte. So that's a great opportunity for him. But more importantly, he was about 120th on the, in the FedEx Cup. This boosts him up to 58. So he's surely going to get into the uh, playoffs, and that'll secure his card for next year as well. Well, how did he do? Was it, uh, was it a close shave at the Barbersaw? He had oh. to make a five- that's nice. I, that, he had to make a five-footer on the last hole to win by one. But he unbelievable scores. He shot 67, 64, 64, 68 
for 21 under par. He won by a stroke over Chad Collins, uh, who also shot a 68 on uh, on Sunday. Uh, the leader was Scott Stallings, who I think shot 71 or something on Sunday and fell back. Who caddied uh, from for Grayson Murray this weekend? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It wasn't the well, caddy. Well, it wasn't. No, we don't know about it. Yeah, so that's right. What I'm um, you know, and and you talk about somebody out there on Twitter. Grayson's gotten himself in a little bit of heat Uh-oh. from his Twitter handle uh, to the extent that they've tried to lock him out of his own account. His people. His people. You can't right. hold him down, man. Very interesting, dude. I did. Uh, you know. Kind of knew him from a child prodigy. You made his clubs. Come on, don't be modest. Right. And uh, I read some about him. He he suffers from some demons, but it's great to see him overcome that and and get a victory on the PGA Tour. And he's a phenomenal talent. Cool. So, and official player of from the cheap seats. Love that. I'd love to go to Charlotte and just follow him. We yeah. should make that happen. Yeah. Did you see out at the British Open? Well, you didn't watch it. So <laughs> there was a, a player <laughs> by the name of Tree. And there were these guys carrying around these inflatable trees. Yes. I was like, really? But, you know, certainly we could find some inflatable doll to follow Grayson Murray around in Charlotte, yeah. right? Dave? That's like why it. we keep you around. That's right? why awesome. That's yes, why it, we could do that. It'd be too expensive to do the same thing because trees are cool to bring around, but diamonds, you can't just carry diamonds around him when you're following him on the golf course. You completely yeah. missed what we were talking about there. But yeah, we should we should just I'm just gonna follow Dave around with one dollar bills and throw them at him. You know, know, Grayson had a uh, partial dental implant from a tooth issue when he was young, and he bit into a piece of Bojangles chicken, Uh and the tooth came out. Well, he didn't have; he had just earned his PGA Tour card at the time, so he takes this cheeser picture missing a front tooth with his PGA Tour card. So maybe we can go find some inflatable chicken. That would never happen at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Ever. No. You're not losing teeth there. Yeah. Inflatable know. chicken? I don't want to get beat up by the <laughs> official golfer of the cheap seats. I like it. Hey, no, and, I think he'd appreciate it. Have you weird been to Buffalo way. Wild Wings and had the scorpion rum sauce yet? No, I have not. You've got to, man. You've yeah. got to. Hey, are you familiar with the scorpion rum sauce? I'm not. Enlighten me. All right. So have you... You eat a Buffalo Wild Wings on occasion? That, I do. Okay, just like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. It's a right. it's a guilty pleasure. So you've had their blazing wing before? Yeah. Are you see, I thought maybe Philly girls were, you know. Wing like snobs. Yeah, you like We do have a wing bowl. Oh mm. really? It's no, mostly I'm interested. An, it's mostly an excuse for uh day drinking, but <laughs> I like it even better. Well, the scorpion rum sauce. So, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings trots out these experimental sauces out of the sauce lab on occasion. I always make my way to B-dubs to check out whatever the new sauce is, whatever. The scorpion rum sauce, scorpion peppers now apparently are on the books as the hottest pepper in the world. Oh, they beat out ghost peppers? Yes. Well, ghost peppers have been gone. The uh, Carolina Reaper had actually passed that. The scorpion pepper has gone beyond the Carolina Reaper. Yeah, I'm a pepper nerd, apparently, and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize until just now. 
So Buffalo Wild Wings trots out this new sauce. It's called the Scorpion Rum Sauce. And they serve this, if you buy a snack size, they serve it with a scoop of ice cream. And I thought, nice marketing ploy, guys. I went and had these wings. They're ludicrous. <laughs> ludicrous. I was like three days later was still paying for them. They're that hot. What did they do to your groin, though? I, I had a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> they, it was horrible, man. It was awful. Um, but they were really good going down. I'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. But uh, And I am a hot wing guy. But to touch on, I've got both of you guys sitting here. So I want a commitment now that October 14th, Fayetteville Roller Derby will be represented at the From the Cheap Seats Brick City Dodgeball Classic 2.0. It's already posted on Facebook. Done. I got oh, you. Nice. Tight. Nice. I'm bringing Grayson Murray. He's going to be on my team. Dude, nice. <laughs> I, I can dig that. Farm Bureau, you're in? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Is he going to wear a mouth guard? <laughs> I don't know. He would probably play roller derby if extended an invitation. Yeah. I bet he's a good dodgeball player, actually. He's kind of a big guy. He's dodging some of the opens, right? The big, the big majors. Not anymore. No, now he's hey, he's in there with a bang. Now. I'm going to Grace Charlotte. Murray doing his thing. Yeah, let's make plans to go to Charlotte. Let's do this. All right, we do might it. be able to pull that off. I'm moving this weekend. Oh come on, it. it's not this week. It. It's next weekend. Oh, we might be able to might be able to get a kitchen pass. Right. All right, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central Carolina on WDCC ninety point five around the world on WBLZ Sports. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. They're strong, and then there's Army Strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Diamond Dave Kaplan, and Eileen Uscreen in the house. And I, we were talking during the break, and I didn't realize, Eileen, that that is actually your given name, Eileen Uscreen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was like a stage thing. No, my parents are pretty creative. I like it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Thanks. Actually, though, we were, we were talking about 
You said that at one point there was a roller derby name registry nationwide. Yes. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Hey, has this always been your name or did you like feel a couple out and try this one on for size? Uh, it's always been my name. I toyed with Amber Dextrous, but nice. <laughs> I like that. But uh, wow, yeah, I, I settled with Eileen. You scream. What's the if if you weren't tied to the name Eileen? You scream. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been anybody's name where you like drop my? That's the best. Oh, there's a bunch. There's Legs Benedict. Reanimate her. Um, I like Dianosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> That's your drop mic moment. Dianosaurus Rex. Yes. Love it. If Diamond Dave were roller derby material, and he's not because he's too old, not agile enough. I don't know about that. But what, what too old, his... yeah. <laughs> pretty agile. <laughs> what name would you recommend for him? Well, if he were Dapper Diamond Day, we can call him Triple D. Triple, Triple D. D. All right, Triple <laughs> D's all right. How about Brandon Atkins? Hmm. Brand on a roll. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that horrible? Raisin Brandon? I don't know. Oh, Raisin Brandon. Raisin Brandon. Raisin Brandon. <laughs> all right. I'm, I was thinking of one. Yeah, with with some some input from you, how about Chris Pistofferson? Yes, totally. Oh, wow, that's pretty yeah. Good. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's pretty Brayson good. Jason Brandon. <laughs> I like it. Chris Pistofferson, Triple D, and Raisin Brandon in the house. I can do. That's it. awesome. I'm named off, you know, after an awful <laughs> cereal. <laughs> but the there's worst. high fiber content. He's always that- regular. Is that made? I like it. There are is. you are you made up in Buffalo? No, that's Cheerios. Oh, okay, yeah, Cheerios. Sorry, and <laughs> poor Buffalo. I know. Buffalo Sports Network is now defunct. Diamond D. What? Yeah, they didn't make it. Whew, that doesn't bode well for the stuff. <laughs> no, they brought us in. I want to make sure everybody's clear. We were like a life preserver. We just yeah. it wasn't enough. Apparently, I don't know. No, no offense. I don't know what's going on with these guys. We, but they we had were, to shut it down. We were the raft, and they were the Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Golf. Yeah. Johnny Miller. Johnny Miller. You know, he says a lot of things that make you question if if he's sipping on the toddies early. Hmm. Uh, and he says a lot of great things, too, and he will always let you know that his record-setting 63 uh, in a major was the lowest round until Brendan Grace on Saturday shot a 62 in the British Open. And I was proud of him. He didn't come into this. But he always said, mine was in the final round to win by one in the U.S. Open and in tough conditions. But... On number 13, he kept screaming that Jordan Spieth needed to go back to the tee. And I'm thinking, why? Yeah. He just hit it 100 yards right off the tee. He's 450 yards away. If he can gain a couple hundred yards, it's worth it. Plus, he doesn't have to hit the same shot that he just blew. You know, So it, it, was, it was very interesting 
to hear him continue to go down that road and then a bit satisfying to watch Spieth make bogey on the hole using his brain and not Johnny Miller's brain. How was he trying to cover that up? Because I didn't, I didn't hear that part of it. He, he just didn't mention. He just it. let it go. Yeah, he just let it go. Yeah. You think it was because of the pace of play, or he just because Johnny Miller knows everything? I think it's because Johnny Miller knows everything, and he thought that he would hit it in trouble on his recovery shot because it was a difficult shot. It was a blind shot. He really had no clue how far or where to hit it. Well, and he thought after he hit it that he was in even more trouble. Right. He, and, he thought he didn't hit it. He hit it further right than I think he intended to, and he thought he was going to get hung up in the stuff again. But he fortunately hit it just long enough to get out right behind a greenside bunker. So, yeah, just long enough by a couple of feet. But, right. you know, he always seems to come up big in those moments. Yeah, he, the moment for me you talked about earlier was that 45-foot putt that oh, just wound man. and up and down and everywhere else. And then even, you know, as it got to the hole, three feet from the hole, it was still eight inches outside and then just took a left turn and down and in. But right speed, in the middle of the moment. cup. Yeah, and a, and a wonderful celebration. He points at his cabbie, uh, caddy, Michael, and says, you get it out of the hole. And I just love that celebration because I feel like ahead of time, Mikey probably went in there and said, why don't you make this and I'll grab it out of the hole for you. Nice. You know, I don't know that's what happened, but I could, being in that realm, in that golf arena, I know that that's conversations caddies and, and players have. And so he, the first person he turned to was him and pointed right at him and said, get it out of the hole. That's awesome. All right, some big time. That's a. I think that's all we got on the British Open. Anybody, Eileen, you got any observations? Nope. They play no. golf in Philly. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're Absolutely. not cavemen up there. <laughs> Cheesesteak. That's all I know about Philadelphia. Cheesesteak. <laughs> Cheesesteak and Ben Franklin. That's it. That's yeah. all I got. Liberty Bell. Is the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia? Yes, it is. All right. There's your geography lesson for the day. Looky there. Right. Soccer. Big soccer this weekend. They make raisin bran. Up in Philly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there you go. I had no idea. You didn't know that, did you? I did not. Okay. Are well. you bluffing? No. No. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer. CONCACAF. Let me, let me ask you a question. How Bless many people you. sitting at the table know what CONCACAF is? Brandon? Is it something you can get at Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> Only during the fall season. Gotcha. CONCACAF, right. any ideas? Kaplan. It's It's like the Soccer Association for the North America and Central America. Bingo. Bam. That Pow. was my second guess. Yeah. yeah. So CONCACAF is exactly North America and Central America. So the two powerhouses in that region are Mexico and the United States. Interspersed in there, you have Canada, Panama, Costa Rica's pretty good sometimes. Mm -hmm. Jamaica's okay. There are 41 total countries. Now, back in 91, CONCACAF became a real thing, and they started the Gold Cup. And the Gold Cup is the international championship among those 41 nations. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where, even as a soccer fan, 12 teams from CONCACAF play in this tournament. There are 41, like I said. Anybody have any idea how they figure out which 12 of the 41 are going to play? No, nah, me neither. World rankings? Nah, I, part of it has to I do with I would guess it, more 
like points people want to watch those particular teams that's kind of what it comes down to i think they try to figure it out but you just hit on a big point because Concacaf can never get anything right and even <laughs> when they do try to get it right things align and just screw it up for them right all right so, Concacaf the, so the, would, their attempt was to get the u.s and mexico in a final absolutely all right, I U.S. See and Mexico are far and away the biggest dogs on the block. Right. They have the Big biggest girls. viewing audiences. It, they're they're good for ratings. They're good for attendance. It's good because there's that natural rivalry. And for the third straight tournament in six years at the Gold Cup Finals, it will once again not be Mexico and the United States playing in the final. Hey, it's virtu- It's it's reality TV at it its is. finest. I mean, you know that's what sports is. So it is. So you can't script it. The U.S. took care of business on Saturday. They had Costa Rica and really accounted well for themselves. The U.S. now is on a 13-game unbeaten streak. They went. They really dominated play against a good Costa Rica team. And in the 65th minute, Josie Altador scored for the first time in 15 years, I think. <laughs> no. um, I actually think it was the first time in, I think, 11 matches that, right. that Altador scored. And then... Dempsey through the line! 57 goals! Tied for the all-time U.S. record! And on to the final, surely now, for the United States! Clint Dempsey, with his record time 57th international goal. Landon Donovan? Yes, good call. Ties Landon Donovan all time as the leading goal scorer in U.S. history. And Clint Clint Dempsey's got some tread left on the tires, so he at some point will pass Landon Donovan. But great to get it in front of a big audience because this wasn't the U.S. playing, you know, fill in the blank in a friendly somewhere. This was a legit tournament uh, semifinal game. Dempsey came on late as a sub and got the free kick. Nice goal, too, by the way. Yeah, right through the leg. So the U.S. on Saturday did their part. Mexico comes in with Jamaica on Sunday night. Supposed to win this game, move on and set up the big matchup in the middle of the week, make folks like Trent Nichols happy because he'd had a full house for this game. Yeah. And Mexico loses to Jamaica. You'll be selling the heck out of some jerk wings, though. Or Jamaican. Yeah. Jamaican. What's the Jamaican? It's, no, it's jerk. Is the, it, yeah, that Jamaican would be jerk the Jamaican. Chicken. Jamaican yeah. jerk. And the yeah. jerk wings at B-dubs, not bad. But there's not much of a crowd going to come out to see Jamaica U.S. So CONCACAF, they do a lot of things wrong. Now, hold up. I think... Eileen, you scream will watch it because uh, Andre Blake, the goalkeeper from Jamaica, is actually from Philadelphia. Wow. Ah. What? You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life. 
If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Eileen Scream hanging out. So, we were talking about soccer before the break, and I didn't really get to finish my thought. CONCACAF with the Gold Cup. This is one of the things they finally wrapped their heads around collectively and got right. Up to about 12 years ago, they used to invite teams from South America to come up, and whether it was Brazil or Colombia or whomever would play in this tournament and invariably would screw it up because they'd knocked the U.S. or Mexico out of the, the playoff round of the, of the cup, and then you'd end up with Colombia versus Mexico in essentially an exhibition because – you know, the other team in that instance would already be crowned champion. They finally decided that's a stupid idea. And in the history of this tournament, the U.S. has won five times. Mexico's won seven. Canada snuck up in there in one of those years that they screwed it up because the South American teams knocked everybody out. 
and Canada won one, I think it was in 1990, to beat Colombia in the finals. But they finally got this right. They got it onto a two-year cycle. It's predictable. The teams prepare for it. It's supposed to be the U.S. versus Mexico in one of the few meaningful games that they play in every four-year cycle. And again, they can't buy a break. So even when they get it right, they get stuck with the U.S. versus Jamaica in the final. Last year, it was Mexico versus Panama. No, it was Mexico versus Jamaica. The cycle before that, it was the U.S. versus Panama. And now for three straight tournaments, that's six years, the U.S. versus Mexico doesn't happen. I'm a little disappointed. I guess as a U.S. soccer fan, I ought to be happy because Jamaica should be a relatively easy out for the for the United States. But who knows? We'll see. You going to be watching on Wednesday, Trent? No, I will. I, I will be watching. I mean, I still think it's a, a good thing for U.S. soccer. Um, you know, I'm disappointed, though. I mean, majorly disappointed. It would be like, you know, Golden State going against Miami in the finals. You know, it's like other t- sports line it up to get that big thing. And our population is such that, like you said, Mexico is a huge draw. Yes. I mean, and there's not a better fan base that's as close to United States than Mexico. And to really have the that loss and them not to make the finals is a big blow to U.S. soccer, unfortunately. And as happens, you know, we were joking about it off air, but it probably will come to pass. You can probably count on Mexico's head coach being fired over this, which is a shame because during the run of play, Mexico absolutely 100% dominated the game. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there was no doubt. Andre Blake from Jamaica, the goalkeeper. From Philly. From Philly, played out of his mind and had, you know, contortion save after save. It was an amazing performance. Kept Jamaica in it. And then on, you know, you get a foul out just outside the box. Kamar Lawrence steps up and hits an amazing shot that looked like it was bound for the fourth row of the stands and froze the goalie, never moved. And Jamaica gets out of there, escapes with a 1-0 win. Well, maybe the United States will actually have the the home crowd as behind them because they play in the Rose Bowl, right? And Mexican fans basically take over the Rose Bowl – Almost every time that they play. They do. And what's interesting, it's going to be funny to see because those tickets have already been sold. And it's going to be a question as to whether the Mexican fans, who always dominate the crowd out there, even show up for the game. What you may see is the U.S. playing Jamaica in a three-quarter empty stadium. But, I mean, even a month and a half ago when USA played for the World Cup qualifier down in Mexico City, mm-hmm. I mean, they came to a tie, which was the closest. They've never gotten a point before. This is kind of that rematch. You know, this is that, that rubber match that everybody was longing for. Well, and there's not very many mm-hmm. games between the U.S. and Mexico that matter. Mm-hmm. The World Cup qualifier when they have to play them twice in that in group play, and then in the Gold Cup when you're hoping that they're going to match up at some point. And now this is six years in a row we haven't gotten a U.S. Mexico game in the Gold Cup. 
they they can't buy a break even when they get it. Wouldn't you be interested in hearing what the people in Mexico are saying? Because you know if men's basketball in the Olympics, if anybody keeps it to within ten, we're we're going. Oh my gosh! Like yeah. what's going on here? You got to imagine. You know, soccer being so huge there that they're they're going. Wait a minute! If the U.S. wins this one, then they have six. We have seven. They're on the calm. They got to well, be going bananas, right? Yes and no. I mean, the U.S. legitimately at this point is not the little brother in the in the U.S. Mexico matches anymore. Mm-hmm. A U.S. is a good foil for Mexico. We don't have the soccer history yet. We don't have quite the presence in terms of international players, but you get a lot of interface now with Mexican players playing in MLS, and people don't realize you do get U.S.-born players going down to Mexico to play in in professional leagues down there. Sure. Of course, you have the immigrant population here in America that shows up, and like you said, depending upon the situation, a lot of times, the U.S. playing on its own home soil, it might as well be a home game for Mexico. Now, what the U.S. has done over the years has put more and more of these U.S.-Mexico games up in Columbus, Ohio, and up in northeastern United States in the fall so that the Mexican team has to travel and play in cold weather, and you get into parts of the country that don't have as dense a Mexican-American population. So a little gamesmanship with that. But then it doesn't matter. The U.S., when they go to Mexico, is going to play in Mexico City, 60 miles above sea level in smog. And the U.S., like Trent said, finally got a point down there. In all these years, they can't figure out how to win a game in Mexico City. It's a, a home field advantage Better than anything really else out there. So it's think, amazing. Do you think Mexico fires their coach? The World Cup's next year, right? Yeah. In Russia. Mexico plows through couches. I mean, they're, it's I like Billy Martin and George Steinbrenner. They have I'm, a guy that was the coach before this guy, Miguel Herrera, which is a beloved coach. He's very animated on the sidelines. I loved watching him in the World Cup. He just took Tijuana – to be irrelevant again in, in the uh, Mexican League soccer. He is now the coach of America, which is like the New York Yankees of the Mexican yep. League. I think they're regretting getting rid of him because he is far and better done better with the national team that they have already been complaining that they don't like the style of play and they don't think he's managing correctly to the point where Chicharro, one of their best players, didn't even like playing for him. I don't think he survives. Hmm. Interesting. Time will tell. Now, as for the U.S., it's gone exactly the opposite because Jurgen Klinsmann, who was at the helm for, what, five years? Oh, longer than that, Might I have been. Never could get him across the finish line. And his thing from the time he took the helm of the U.S. national team was, we're going to play an exciting brand of soccer. And I'd rather lose 4-3 than win 1-0. And that sounded fun to soccer fans like me all those years ago. And it was like, look, this is a a legit international superstar who has come here to America, gives a little bit more validity to to the program. He was recruiting players that had U.S. ties from all over the world and bringing them in and absolutely could not get it done. 
yeah. there were a lot of problems right. with his coaching style. He ran Landon Donovan out of the U.S. men's team years yeah. before he should have been. Kept bringing in these kids from all over the world. Couldn't put together a program that gelled. And the U.S. finally had enough, reset the program, and went back in time and brought Bruce Arena back in, who had been successful back in the day, is is probably the most successful MLS coach out there. Brought him in. Bruce Arena now, through 13 games in his second stint at the helm of the U.S. national team, is unbeaten. And the U.S. hasn't been in a, on a roll like this in a very long time. I think now, he brought back the orange slices on the bench. The players really and the powdered respond. Gatorade. Yeah, that's a staple. They you can't have soccer without orange I slices love those and powdered orange Gatorade. Slices, man. Donovan, really good. Donovan, your mom has to bring the snacks. Yes, <laughs> right. So we got a couple minutes left, oh, and, and I wanted to, reference. I like that. I wanted to. Uh, no, he's talking about Landon Donovan. Oh, okay. We we figured out that your wheelhouse is NFL, Philadelphia football. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you know anything about soccer? What, what would you say your knowledge level is on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, slim to none. Okay. Trent, Clint Dempsey gets his 57th goal in U.S. men's national history. Mm-hmm. Ties him with Landon Donovan. And I think in America, we love measurable statistics. You know, statistics are a thing. So the, you know, the ultimate thing is, well, he's going to pass Donovan at some point and he'll be the greatest player in U.S. men's team history. Yeah. Where do you stand on that? I think, you know, I, I think he's probably got to be the best. I mean, Donovan is the number one guy because he kind of got where U.S. soccer was becoming relevant. But on a talent standpoint, I think Dempsey is better than him. That's an interesting thing. Brandon, do you have any feedback? You're an old soccer player from back in the day. Well, I mean – if Clinton was not ever the coach, Landon might still have, what, another 20-goal lead on him? Donovan might still be playing, frankly. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you this, that Clint Dempsey, who is in the twilight of his career, and Landon Donovan, who is now retired, these guys played a lot of their prime together with the mm-hmm. U.S. men's team. And, yes, Clint Dempsey was the guy out front and – you know, garbage goals and the rest of that. To me, Donovan and Dempsey, for the most part, Donovan was the best player on those teams. I'll always say, well, I won't. Hopefully, I won't always say. Hopefully, a Christian Pulisic or somebody like that will will pass him. But for now, I'm going to say Landon Donovan is the best non-goalkeeper I've ever seen play for the U.S. Uh, when you look at goalies, we've had some very, very accomplished goalies in the U.S. Um, at some point had some of the best in the world, Tim Howard being on that list, Casey Keller. So I'm going to say Landon Donovan to me is number one. But I can see the argument for Clint Dempsey. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. 
The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Eileen Uscream has joined us in the uh, studio. It's been a long two hours. Glad you you seem to be holding up okay. How I'm you feel? Right. You good? Yeah. All right. So I think you're our official roller derby correspondent. Thank you. I, like I appreciate that. that. T-ball show. He got it right. <laughs> roller derby, dude. It'd be think about how much cooler it would be if there were balls involved. Mm. And spiked gloves and motorcycles. Motorcycles. Dude, I could a jet ski. I'd love I mean, to take a whip off on. a motorcycle. It'd be awesome. Trent Nichols, the professor. You've been in and out today. I'm getting my exercise. Are you going to pay for the Mayweather-McGregor fight? At home? You know, when they first – I was all in – in the beginning, and then they said it was ninety nine bucks, and I'm just I I don't know if it's going to live up to my expectations for a hundred bucks. Eileen, your household, will you guys be paying for the fight? No. Nor will I. What if they get dropped in the first round, and you're like, okay, that was ninety nine dollars worth of garbage well i think it's going to be exactly the opposite i think they're going to dance for 12 rounds and there's not going to be anything happen i don't think mcgregor can hit mayweather and i don't think mayweather is going to engage and give mcgregor a chance to counterpunch. i think they're going to dance the thing that i'm getting at here though is that the promoters and floyd mayweather at this point i think they're in panic mode i think pre-sales for this are nowhere near where they had projected. They thought they would make a billion dollars off this fight. Now, Brandon, you do plan to get the flight. Is that is that correct? Yes. All right. I, I, I will be at your like, house to watch it, well, <laughs> me too. but I'm cheap. Yeah, I don't like paying that much for something that could end in a round. But it's kind of like, you know, when you're clicking on the, through, like whether it be Facebook or whatever, don't you always stop when – it's like the crocodile versus the the python, and you got to at least see what happens. You know, I mean, the, you always stop and hit play just to see who wins. I'm, I'm and down. For me, that's this. Like, I, I agree. What's gonna happen when these two like fearsome creatures in their own sports mix it up? And every once in a while, every once in a while, like the snake bows up and the crocodile goes, "Oh, I'm out." And that may happen in this fight. <laughs> 
But most times they get tangled up and some fun stuff happens. So See, which one of these which one of these creatures, Connor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather, is the crocodile? Um, McGregor's definitely the crocodile. All right. So Mayweather's Mayweather, the python looking for an opportunity he, just to he's like bore the, him to death. McGregor wants the fight over quickly. Um, unless he's got some game plan to let Mayweather go over there and stand at the ropes and wait to the very end to go attack him. Connor wants to hit him earlier and often. And I think he can hurt him. I think he can punch through some of his defense. That's what's going to be interesting to me is, will Mayweather be able to have him – because Conor McGregor is going to punch himself out regardless. If if it could be in the 12th round, I hope it's not in the beginning, but he's not leaving that ring with as much money as he's making to his fans. He's not leaving that ring without putting on the show. And let me just say, regardless if you get the fight or not, everybody's won. Have you not seen these pressers? Like – they are absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. Mayweather, who hits women, you know, he, he's abusive. He's gotten away with it. I don't like the guy. And you got some guy who nobody knew about three years ago saying, hey, listen, he, he's 40, year, 40 years old and he carries a school bag and he <laughs> can't even read. I mean, how good is that? It is pretty awesome. But I will say that this whole trotting these guys out flying them around the world doing four press conferences over the course of just a few days i think it's it i think it's a sign of panic now i don't understand with these press conferences because i know they did one in london one in brooklyn there are two other places around the world they toronto did toronto they did them like back to back to back to back did they not realize the internet y'all yeah they television together. you didn't need to do four of them in four different cities but when you're, you know, on a billion-dollar budget, I guess you just don't even think oh, about no, things man. like they, that. They but continuously it, got better, though, because Mayweather trots his bodyguards out there, and McGregor has them kicked off stage. Showtime turned his mic off. He went and got another one. He goes, does this mic work? And he goes, then get get this mic off and slaps it off the stand. It was awesome theater. You but can't. Did, were you worried when you saw the pictures of them coming out of the same private jet? No, no, no. <laughs> no, listen. Hey, they sold tickets to these press conferences, so they're making money off of these press conferences. Don't get me wrong. I mean, have you not ever seen Conor McGregor interviewed after a, a fight? Oh no, he's awesome, and that's he, why he's he that's totally why he's changes into himself. This is all an act, but it's just funny as all get out. If this lasted one round and McGregor beat the snot out of him and knocked him out, I'd pay for it. But I'm more afraid of what you said. I'm more afraid of 12 rounds of McGregor trying to punch him but not being able to and Mayweather throwing 19 punches like he averages in a 12-round fight. I mean, we're just going to pretend that the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight wasn't a disaster. Yeah. And that's it. I, I feel- mean, first of all, the, the, there were the issues with pay-per-view in the first place where tens of thousands of people like myself didn't get what they paid for. I paid for this and had to go down the street to a neighbor's house to watch it. And then it, it took me, not only did I get billed once by DirecTV, I got billed twice for the same event that I didn't see and had to spend six weeks waiting for them to give me my money back. All right. The fight on screen was awful. Mm-hmm. And Pacquiao couldn't hit Mayweather. And he's a guy that has boxed his entire life. 
But he had like two or three injuries. What? There was nothing wrong with Pacquiao. Pacquiao was there. He showed up to get paid. Boom, it was over. Here's the thing with you said McGregor's going to punch himself out. Yeah, he is. He's an athlete accustomed to fighting in nine minute bursts. You're talking about a fight stretched over the course of, you know, 36 minutes. And he's saying he's not going to shed weight for the fight. So he's going to tie, he's going to change his entire nutrition schedule, his entire training regimen. He's going to come out at 156 and and fight at that weight and change things completely. I don't know, man. I don't know how he holds up. You know, boxers train for this. They train in three-minute bursts so that they can go and fight over the course of a 48-minute period or whatever it ends up being with the ring, but 47 minutes, I guess. But that's what they train for. Conor McGregor's jumping into this. He's going to want this thing over early. I just don't know that he's going to be able to get hands on Floyd. Do you know what the moral to the story is? Is it got something to do with a crocodile and a python? No. If if you're not going to buy the fight, have a friend dumb enough who will. And then you just say, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. Whenever that date is. Oh, I'm watching the fight. Oh, oh, really? I'll bring the beer. I'm over there. I'll bring, Trent will bring the Doritos. No. And that's why. And Eileen will bring you. the guacamole and we'll eat it out of a trophy. There we, we go. We nice. have you, Brad. <laughs> no, it could be awesome, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Looking it's going to be. It. It, it's must see TV for me because I'm a sports fan. It's going to be a spectacle. Um, what was not must-see TV for me, and I'm glad in retrospect that I had too much going on to see it yet. I did tape it. Now I'm going to refuse to watch. You guys obviously don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. Discovery last night. Oh, yeah, I heard about it. Advertised that Michael Phelps was going to race a shark. Oh, I did see something about this. We showed it live. You're dumb. Tell us about it, Trent. People, people wanted to watch it, but it was totally not what you expected. So, I mean, it was horrible. Michael Phelps, they did all this thing studying sharks. He was in a cage. The sharks came up to him. Well, then they had three different kinds of shark following some meat, and they timed them on X amount of yards, and then they had Michael Phelps try to beat those. Did, did he beat two out of he beat one out of the three sharks. Do you I know? thought <laughs> he lost Michael Phelps was going to be in an Olympic-sized pool <laughs> with a shark, and they were going to race. Do you know how high that shark would be if he actually caught Phelps and ate him? Like a weed brownie. <laughs> 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 what more fitting? The crocodile hunter died by a stingray. Mines will have a shark eat Michael Phelps. Right. Shark How do you eat? advertise that? And in the in the promos, am I wrong? They had Michael, you know, sharks bumping in the cage with Michael Phelps. Oh yeah, well, I taped it. I had I had other Game of Thrones was on, soccer was on. Yeah, it's Shark Week, and I was I was watching something, <laughs> and they're tracking Hilton, who's a great white, who's over twelve feet long, off to the North Carolina coast, and I told Millicent. Dude, if I'm going to get eaten by a shark, I don't want to know homeboy's name. <laughs> like, I don't want to know you on that personal level as you are taking me out. Hilton, Hilton, no. And if you had to, like, fight the shark, wouldn't you wouldn't You feel bad? Because it's like a celebrity shark. Like, man, I'm destroying the ecosystem. I think it needs to be impersonal. I don't think we should give names to sharks as a general rule. How do you do? I'm brand raisin. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm Hilton. <laughs> Want to swim? Yeah, let's go for it. Don't hit him in the head. Hilton head. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. That's, yeah, Welcome that. to the show, Professor Trent. Sorry. Eileen, we got about a minute and a half left. Do you have any thoughts on Michael Phelps racing sharks? Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather dancing for 12 rounds. Anything? What you got? Uh, the last fight that I watched was actually the Kimbo Slice flight. Um, oh, my God. Where the most exciting thing was when he was going to bust that guy's cauliflower ear open. Oh, and when it finally oh, happened, we were like, yes! But um, as far as the Michael Phelps thing, uh, don't they call it jumping the shark for a reason? Oh, it's nice. It's supposed to happen. Well done. Thanks, everybody. Check us out on SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today.